So welcome to the behind the scenes of Submersible and the first episode of Auditorium's Behind the Scenes. I'm Landon Wisnant, and I'm joined by the voice of Jonathan Tull, uh, Sean Sutton. Hey, what's up, everybody? And I'm also joined by the voice of Meyer and Shaw from Submersible, Bill Simons, who also co-wrote the thing. Good to be here. So, man, guys, a man of many tasks. Yeah, a man of many, a man of many hats. They say. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite things that I hear all the time in like the the audio drama community when I hear these behind the scenes type episodes, that there is generally someone that wears most of the hats, and that has that saying makes me laugh so much because it's just silly. Because when I look back at all the things that I did myself for Auditorium. I am, I just imagine me wearing like 10, like hats all stacked up on top of each other. <laughs> Everything from the 10 gallon hat to the beret, he's just wearing them all. And I have a five foot cigarette. <laughs> I have an inch of cigarette added for every hour that I stressed over this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially so, near the end. Oh my God, yeah, uh, so. Yeah with submersible like it's i'm so proud of it first of all i am extraordinarily proud i'm extraordinarily thankful for you guys for this entire thing um it's it's kind of unbelievable that as of this recording we are five days away from it coming out it's crazy and it's been a long time coming and uh there's been a lot of revisions and figuring out things and figuring out what works and what doesn't mm -hmm. and a lot of math a lot of math unfortunately i hate uh, math <laughs> yeah. me too and, and then i learned dynamics and uh yeah. it's upsetting <laughs> yeah when you first sent me the uh I, I was at work and you said, hey, you want to hear the first 19 minutes of Submersible? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. As soon as you, as soon as I fired it up and I heard, Submersible is an auditorium production written by Bill Simons and Landon Wisnat. I was so proud. Like, I just. Yeah. It, it was. That's what it, makes it real, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Yeah. It overtook me. I, I was, oh my God. Feels like. Like I was saying, uh, when I was on your podcast, it, it actually just feels like there's something there. You know, it feels like, feels like uh, I've left something, you know? Yeah, it, exactly. It'll actually and, be and, something to say that I was here. Yeah, and it's this yeah. crazy thing where, like, I, you know, I had done all of the, the soundscaping and the engineering for everything, but it didn't really feel like this tangible thing that I could hold, that I could look at and be proud of until it was completely finished. And I played that first like 30 seconds, you know, that mm -hmm. you were actually just talking about. And that's when it became real for me. Yeah. Yeah. I got, mm -hmm. I got some goosebumps when it started and, and, and I wasn't even part of the writing process. So for you guys to, listen to that for the first time after all that work that's amazing man that's awesome it's a very surreal feeling honestly uh going from bill having introduced me to audio drama um probably like i, I don't know like two years ago or something yep we were At on, on we we're on our way back from your sister's wedding um mm -hmm. uh we we're driving to conway 
And I said, hey, so I started listening to this show called The Sandman, which uh, Sean and my co-worker at the time, uh, Zach, he introduced to us. We all started listening to audiobooks and audio dramas, started recommending them to each other. Uh, the first one, I think, was The Coldest Case, that James yes. Patterson one that Sean found. Do you and remember then, what I said to you when I found it? It's like a movie in your head. Yeah, it's yeah. like listening to a movie. <laughs> and then uh, then Zach introduced us to the Sandman. Showed that to Landon, and um, I didn't. I wouldn't have thought it. It would have gone this far. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. Uh, two years ago, and a couple of days. Right, that was uh, mm-hmm. mid October. Yeah. And then yeah. it was last December when you. Uh, when I came up to your house and um, you said, hey, you remember that one I told you about a while ago, Submersible? Well, I'm kind of having some trouble with this. And you yeah, knew I, I, was I, I liked a lot it. of, you knew I liked a lot of HP Lovecraft stories. So you're like, can you help me see if you can make something of this? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> so the crazy thing is Submersible technically was finished last out of all of the scripts um, that we have, like, you know, that we have ready as of this moment, Submersible's the most recent one to be finished entirely. Yet, it's our first episode. And that's because when I originally told you about my idea, it was complicated. Um, I knew what I, you know, kind of what I wanted, but at the same time, I was like, I have these puzzle pieces that I can't fit together, and I really need your help with them. Because um, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to pull it off. Because I, I wanted something Lovecraftian, and I wanted it in this confined space. We already had the the, the submarine and everything, um, and I had just kind of the general idea of that Lovecraftian helpless terror. But that's really all I had. And I, I told him I want there to be these two protagonists, and I, you know I want them to to know each other. Um, but I was like, I just. I don't know how to pull it off where you have one character narrating and then it jumps between narration and them actually talking to each other. Yeah. Um, I was like, I don't don't know how to do any of that. And immediately Bill just pulled out magic. (laughs) Well, you know, the the first audio book I ever listened to was actually a collection of HP Lovecraft stories. That was, that was years ago though, way before I started working where I am now. But, um, I got the H.P. Lovecraft uh, collection series, and there were a bunch of different voice actors on there, like some big names too, like Keith Sarabica. Uh, he read a couple of them. Uh, you know, he's the guy who tries to beat the crap out of the Joker in The Dark Knight. But mm-hmm. yeah, that as far as I know, that's that's the only movie I've seen him in. Uh, but he's got a really menacing voice. But uh, he read uh, At the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Lovecraft, and I just fell in love with it. Ever, ever I, since then, I've, I've read so many of Lovecraft stories, so I was just honored to help with this. I remember when uh, we were actually writing, um, I can't say the name of it um, because it is a future production, but we started working on one, and uh, it's one of our more comical ones. And I was telling you, <laughs> it, it kind of encompasses a lot. And so I don't really have enough cast members. And then you brought Sean into the fold, and uh, <laughs> I heard him read those lines. Um, and he was his character was a, a judge, 
and it and he took this like this different spin on it i had not originally written the judge to have this kind of southern like down home type accent and when he read those lines like that i was like oh so my kind of inspiration for that role was think john goodman in oh brother where art thou oh okay okay that's kind of yeah that's kind of where i was coming from with that role and i was just like you know he he seems like if you put a judge gown on him and you put a gavel in his hand that's that's him you know yeah yeah and it i loved how you kind of delivered the lines because originally i had him with a a booming voice and Mm -hmm. he was this like this overpowering character and then you took this you know this sort of like almost comfortable person to speak to and Mm -hmm. then brought that to it and Mm -hmm. it's like this is not at all how i had envisioned this but it's perfect that's (laughs) the thing is it's better than my idea and i like that yeah um and so when we were talking about submersible um bill threw out the suggestion to have you play tall Mm-hmm. And my initial reservation was that he's a very hard character to play. Yeah, um, he was tricky. Y- yeah, because you have to tricky. play a character that is not themselves. There is something essentially speaking through them, for lack of better terms. Yeah. Um, and you have to exemplify that. You have yeah. to be a you have to be something faking being another person. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, that's I felt difficult. like I felt like there was a uh, kind of an emptiness in that character, um, and then that emptiness was being filled by, obviously, he had this. I just feel like that character had like an emptiness in him, you know, and that was hard to, it's hard to portray, you know. It had an emptiness that was being filled by something else, and it was tricky for a minute. Like I worked with different accents and none of it sounded right to me so i was like you know what i'm just gonna play it simple and make this guy feel like you know like like salem says at one point you know there it is again that's not even told right now you know Mm -hmm. and i just i know i hope it worked out i think it did so yeah and uh i know at first you had that concern that your lines had had kind of fallen flat um but that when you actually heard it and heard the other characters lines that are kind of in reference to that it just kind of makes it fit because it works the character's not supposed to be believable because no one in that sub believes them yeah yep and and so there was the difficulty in like like I admire how you pulled that off because there is so much difficulty in like dialing it back essentially. Mm-hmm. And like you're like, God, I have to I have to try to sound like I'm trying to convince them that I'm this person. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah, it was difficult. It was it was tricky. Um I had a question for Landon. Mm-hmm. Uh so listening to the credits. Your voice sounded really rough. I was wondering, were you doing the credits in character, or did playing Flint no, like take such I, a toll so, on your throat? But... So, actually, funny enough, I recorded the special thanks 
after I had finished recording my final lines and then I pushed them off to the side of the recording until after it was uh, until after it was fully done. Because I was like, let me just let me get this all out of here that I have to voice. And so my voice was kind of cracking and uh, because that voice takes a lot out of me. It's so much different than my normal yeah. register. Um, and I, I actually had to, I had to push so hard to like drop my voice into that, but I wanted to, I wanted to do it so bad. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this I, is worth it. This is worth losing my voice over. And I mean, I think you, for Salem, that's a perfect voice for that character. I don't think there could have been another voice that would have worked for him. Yeah. You were really adamant about, uh, playing, Flint and doing Flint's voice that way. Where where did that direction come from? So that actually came from um, these kind of old, like did like the old. I'm talking sixties, you know, fifties, sixties style detective movies. Um, uh, and it was kind of yep. based on like the monologue that a detective has at the beginning of every story. Um, but I wanted to carry that cadence. Um, throughout the story as a manner of storytelling. And originally when I got into it, I didn't know how difficult that voice was going to be uh, <laughs> to be for 52 minutes straight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you had like four times as much dialogue as either of us put together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there <laughs> were actually, you know, about this just about two weeks ago. Um, when I was re-recording some stuff for him, I lost my voice. There was a day where I lost my voice. Um, and that was so upsetting to me because I was, I was finishing all the, like anything that needed to be redone, anything that needed to be like touched up and everything um, before I got everything lined up and finalized. And I lost my voice because I had been like <laughs> doing the angry scenes yeah. Um, so I was like, I could put some more anger in that. I could, I feel like I could really like push that more. Um, and so I re-recorded it like 20 times. And then uh, the next day I woke up and I was like, oh God, oh God, <laughs> my voice. Oh man. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a task. But um, I do want to say though, that with this, with this whole thing, I'm just so excited that I was able to like bring you guys into this and kind of share creating this because it, you know, at the end of the day, creating audio drama stuff is it's not to get rich. It's not to get renowned. Um, it's just something I wanted to do. And for you guys to see that kind of like passion that I had for it is just such an honor. I love well, how we, we all got that passion at the same time, really. I mean, yeah. it's like, it, it just struck all of us. Yeah. I was about to say, I'm so glad y'all asked me to be a part of it, because this has been a an extremely, extremely fun experience, and something that is going to be there that I can show people that I know and be like, look. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I part was, of this thing. I was it's this. Awesome. Yeah, I, I was part of this whole experience. Uh, what made you want to do this, Sean? Man, I, I mean, you know my love for audio dramas. You know, I'd honestly rather listen to an audio drama than a than a red novel any day. Mm -hmm. You know, um, 
and man, just to be part of something. I've always wanted to, you know, I had that childhood dream of being an actor, but like the realistic side of that is like, <laughs> who really makes it doing that, you know? And so I, I just, you know, I wanted to be part of something and place somebody that's not me and have and, and be able to listen to an awesome, awesome story that I was a part of and to listen to myself. And I have to say, it's weird listening to myself. It's the first time I've really, ex- you know, listened to myself for that mm-hmm. extended period of time. And it's, it's weird. It took me a minute to really get used to it. Um, but yeah, dude, once I listened to that whole thing, it was just like, man, it's just so cool that I'm part of this now. Yeah. And it's in a way it's kind of immortalized and and you'll be able to you know years down the road you'll be able to be like hey look what me and my friends did yeah and and that'll always be there and i i think that's just such a neat aspect of it um Mm -hmm. what you what you were saying about hearing your voice though um so before all of this i had already done a questionable guide but in kind of in the the middle of everything we started doing questionable tales of adventure on uh on the podcast and that was the first time that I had heard me as someone else. Mm-hmm. That's a really weird experience because I had already heard, you know, hours and hours and hours of my own voice from the podcast. But me playing someone else, um, not only that, but someone that sounds so much different than me. Yeah. Is really weird because yeah. it's it's almost like it's a different person because the way that they speak, the the cadence of their voice it's all different because I, yeah. you know, that's not me. And so I had to kind of change up how I was doing things because um, I think something that not a lot of people talk about uh, with, with this kind of, you know, audio design thing is when you are editing your own voice, if you've edited your voice for a while, then you know what your main problems are. You know what kind of like, you know, issues your voice typically has. Mm-hmm. Um, and things to correct. Well, when I'm dropping my voice, you know, octaves to sound yeah. much deeper, there are different things that I have to correct. And it threw me because it's problems that I never run into with my own speaking voice. I get that. Yeah. Bill, your your voice for Meyer, dude. <laughs> that was like, how, how did you? I mean, I know you knew you were going to be German, but... Well, you know, I think one of my first questions to you uh, when I was asking if you wanted to be in this, Sean, was, uh, mm-hmm. hey, what accents can you do? And then when you ran through some, I said, you think you could do German? You said, uh, yeah. oh, I could try. And then I thought, uh, and I, I just started watching videos about like how to do a German accent. And I, I ended up researching a lot on that. And then I thought, no, yeah. I, I want to do it myself. Let's let's give Sean the lead role. All mm-hmm. right. Uh, Oh shit, that, that kind of brings us into something um, a bit deeper. Who would you say is the main character of Submersible? Yes, I, I had that question too. All right, yeah. so I'm so glad that you guys asked this question. So as you know from Salem Flint, um, there's going to be some spoilers here, but as you know, Salem Flint is telling this story himself through his journal for a lot of this but when he disappears the story keeps going and is actually unaffected by his disappearance despite the lack of narration um with submersible 
there really is no main character because the at at the end of all of this you're actually not supposed to like any of these characters yep. um so even down to Meyer who was I think in terms of all of this besides Yoff of course um was the biggest victim but even still he was he is very rash very cutting with his words and all all three of the characters really are when they argue with each other mm-hmm. but you kind of realize throughout the whole thing that none of them are working together yeah yeah it's it's everyone looking out for themselves and so in that way really no one is the main character because no one is safe there's even at the end which spoiler alert if you haven't listened to submersible here um at the end the only person surviving is tall and i want people to not even be entirely certain that they're happy about that right i played him and i wasn't all that happy about it after (laughs) yeah after you You see that like like this is while there is something kind of speaking through the character this was of his own volition this this was his doing yes Mm -hmm. my my character salem just had this super huge desire to be remembered so of course he you know he agrees it's like oh my best friend's asking me to do this and this is like one of the biggest things anyone's ever done you know so of, of course i'm gonna do it um and at at one point in that um Meyer asks, you know, why do you defend him? Like, he's killed us all. And yeah. Why do you take his Salem, He has yeah. killed us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and there's that, like, you know, because he pays me. And you kind of see part of the shallowness of my character with that retort. And you know, you're supposed to. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think Academically, Salem Flint is the main character. I mean, the whole story is basically first person. But he he defers to Jonathan Toll so much. I mean, throughout the entire story, it's like Flint, uh, you know, we we hear about his backstory at the very start of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that contributes a lot to some of his dialogue later on, like... Uh, Toll is the navigational mind. He could give you more specifics. Or uh, Toll's yeah. eyesight is better than mine with the spectacles. Or mm-hmm. you know, uh, I never read the Origin yeah. of the Species, but Toll has, and he explained a lot of it to me. I I think um, you know, with little hints like that, we see that Flint he almost has a bit of an inferiority complex, but he, he defers exactly. he defers to Toll because he's more comfortable being. I don't know, maybe we'll see him as, as the, the strong arm or the, the hired mm-hmm. muscle, the guy who plays dumb, when really he's he's smarter than everybody gives him credit for, and I think he's yeah. he's more comfortable that way. He doesn't yeah. want everyone to know just how much of a, I don't know about a threat, but how, how capable he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Where, um, and then Meyer, he's I, he's he's not the main character. Uh, I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I understand this right now. He's not. <laughs> so, with I, I kind of wanted to exemplify that um, in in Salem um, when I originally created that character, that sense of inferiority, like 
you know, the, you know, I'm, I'm of a low, you know, low class and everything. I'm always going to be low class, that, that kind of mentality. Um, I wanted to stick with that character because I wanted every one of them to have insecurities and to show that in that, like, I wanted to have a character that is essentially, he just thinks he's nothing. <clears throat> um, and I, then I had to compliment that with another character and, you know, in, um, in Tull, who is not to be trusted, but he's like the de facto leader. Yeah. Um, and so that creates a conflict because you have a leader that can't be trusted and a follower that is worth far more than he gives himself credit for. Yeah, there's there's some uh, it's an interesting set of names too. Where where did you get those names? When I first signed on, it was just it was like a two man show uh, with uh, Toll and Flint. Where where'd you get those names from? So, with um, Salem Flint, uh, funny enough, I've always been enamored by the name Salem um, ever since Army of uh, Two. Army of Two, yes, yep. actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's such a good game. That takes me back, man. <laughs> and. Funny enough, with Jonathan Tull, his name was originally just Jonathan, um, and I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use both of their names at different times. You know, you're gonna end up hearing his last names. So like, what do I do? What do I do? Um, and <laughs> this is kind of funny, but I heard a guy on the phone in, I think, in the mall say his last name and it was Tull um, huh. and I was like I really like that last name and that's where that came from is a conversation I overheard at the mall <laughs> that's cool so yeah. random that's cool yeah Yeah, it just resonated with me for some reason um, yeah just clicked and then Bill um, pulled the uh you know, a scene from uh, Beautiful Minds um, where he he just helped me stitch everything together and make things make sense. And he, oh my God. So here's here's something that needs to be talked about. Svalbard. Oh yeah. Uh, Off of the coast I, of Svalbard. That, my uh, that girlfriend line. had gotten me a map for Christmas and um, I was... I was looking at it one day, there, many times, uh, it was a map of the entire world, and many times I would just be standing in front of it with a cup of coffee, plotting world domination, and then I was looking up at uh, um, Northern Europe, and I just noticed this big island, and I was like, I've never seen that before. That, that's new. That's gotta be new. And then uh, I was like, Svalbard? the fuck is that? And then <laughs> I, the next time Landon was over, I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. Hey, look at this map here. Tell me, you ever seen this shit before? This, this Svalbard. What, what, what the hell is that? And he was like, huh. You know, I've never seen that before. And then, you know, we, we had planned it so that the, uh, the expedition was, what was it, 40 miles off the coast of Iceland? Yeah. And then I started doing some looking around to see where some of the deepest spots of the ocean are. And um, I found one which would not be named for another several decades after Submersible takes place called the Litka Deep. 
which that little bit about it being the closest point to the center of the Earth, that was true. The Mariana Trench is, is the deepest point in the ocean, but because the poles of the Earth flatten near the top, the Litka Deep is actually closer to the center of the Earth than the bottom of the Mariana Trench by about seven miles. And it's, wow. <laughs> it is worth okay. noting that we wrote that well before we knew any of this. Oh, yeah. It, it just happened to be true. That's the yes. extremely fucked up part. That is yeah. crazy. Oh, um, I did want to mention where, uh, uh, while we were talking about the origin of the names, um, remember when uh, I was talking to Landon on the phone, doing another brainstorming session, and I was like, look, I, I think we're going to need to add another character. Because I think if it's just a, a two-man show, it's going to, it may get a little bit monotonous. I think we just need mm-hmm. another character or two and just to just to flesh it out a bit and then uh now yoff gunnerson i just pulled up some uh common names it turns out there's like eighteen thousand pre-approved icelandic names and oh okay parents just okay. have to pick from that and uh yeah it, you can find that online it's actually really cool so i just looked so i just looked through and picked baby names from that <laughs> but, uh, okay but the German's name, however, I was watching a World War II documentary, and um, uh, in uh, 1939, the uh, Reichsmarschall Hermann Göring said that uh, th- this was at the time where they were sure Germany was going to win the war. Uh, somebody had asked him if they thought there was any chance that the uh, British or French bombers could reach Berlin, and he said, um, "If they can bomb Berlin, then." Call me Air Meyer, which the English equivalent of that would be, call me Mr. Smith, or, you know, I, I'm nobody, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for some reason, that stuck in my head, and thus, Air Meyer was born. I don't know if I ever told okay. you that, Lennon. No, no I, cool. I don't think so. So, oh man, I just, I can't even express how crazy it is that you know october 30th um the day this comes out too um which i'll be yeah which i'll be editing tomorrow we have an audio drama it's it's astounding really um and with with auditorium one of my biggest things was that i was completely against us doing any crowdfunding um for it and there was really a couple reasons but the one that stood out the most for me was that while I've had a podcast for a little bit and I've I've done things here and there when it comes to the audio drama space I have never contributed anything before and so I didn't feel like I had the right to ask people to donate money to make this happen and so in creating it myself and in like doing this without asking anyone for a handout um i just be able to produce something that meant so much more to me i think be much be much more proud of it yeah, yeah. exactly um, because yeah. i know how hard i had to strive to make this work yep um, and there's a lot to be said for that. Like if you could do it broke, then yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely um mm -hmm. and really it, it wasn't about like you know i'm gonna show you that i'm good it's it's like no i i just want it to be known that i respect the medium that much and i've done so much research and learned so much like at the end of submersible um i think uh newt shuttlecotty who made many marconis which is a podcast about creating audio dramas and being a young creator and how to kind of navigate your life around that and that was like the most beneficial thing to me it was like figuring out how to balance my life around creating an audio drama um and not beating myself over the head constantly just because i i don't know if anyone will like what i put out you know just taking taking a leap and you know coming out on top i don't know what else yeah that's and i know i know how hard you worked dude i i i, I <laughs> just in the times that i was over you know recording my lines and and mm -hmm. you pulling your hair out when i had to come <laughs> re-record re oh, <laughs> oh yeah. my god tell that yes. story that's... yeah so um we get to the point where I have almost all of Submersible done and I start listening to some of Sean's uh, last lines and I realize that there are a couple parts in it where I had like some audio issues that I had not heard before um, and I don't know what happened along the way to potentially create that or if it was just in the original recording um, or if I messed something up, I just don't know what happened in that to make it do what it did to ruin the audio. But essentially, our only solution was um, I, I texted Bill and I was like, we have to do to, like something like I I probably need him to you know to re-record this and we were on such a time crunch that I was like I don't know if this is going to be possible and then the next day Sean comes to record his lines um, to re-record them and uh, and that was great honestly I had showed you um, and shown you a couple scenes um, from it to kind of like get you to where you needed to be because you had to record the final scene. Well, like, and, it's, and it's and it's so crucial. It was such a crucial scene. You know, completing the whole thing. I mean, me having the last line in the whole story is it was so it was so crucial that I was like, man, okay, yep, I'll be there tomorrow. We gotta yeah. we gotta do it. And honestly, and honestly, I have to say. I think that was better than any of the other stuff I recorded before. I remember we had uh, we had played back a couple different things for you. I had shown you what the song was going to be yeah. um, that mm -hmm. was playing during that scene and just kind of helped you get set up for it. And uh, we re-recorded everything up to the last sentence of that scene. Yep. And on the last sentence, I had stopped our recording and I looked at Sean and I was like, this is it. Was like, this is the one, this is the last <laughs> sentence is the only sentence you get of yep. tall, like the real person. And I, yeah. And I said it right back to you. I said, it couldn't have, it couldn't have ended better though. I really like, and I know it was me and that's, you know, but man, I felt so good about that, that I looked at you too, when I got done mm -hmm. and I was like, 
yes dude that was yeah that was it that was it yeah um and it that last little sentence was like so so difficult i know because you have to start showing your character kind of shining through but like the after effects of everything are still like still there you still have the exposure to the book right um just because it's in the bag doesn't mean it's not still you know right putting that like urge in you to like go back down um and you had to exemplify that that like you you mean what you say in there finally yeah i'm so glad that that last scene was able to be outdoors because it was you know with that echo situation it was either have him re-record or have him be inside the icebreaker but yeah. it was you know the, the the listener has spent so much time suffering in this submersible i wanted the last scene to be a reward for fighting through that you know yeah like this is i'm this is a nightmare you gotta like once you get to the final scene i it's like you can hear the sunlight you know yes it just, yes everything I just sounded that. so perfect I said that to my wife after I listened. It was like, man, it's like you you can tell that you're outside. You know? And doing that in surround sound was so difficult, yeah. especially with this being my first audio drama um, and me learning surround sound and, and figuring that out before I even started anything. Um, and we had most of Submersible was done in stereo. And then I showed Bill that I was learning surround sound and I was like, I know that this will be an outrageous amount of work on me. Uh, like, I know that this is going to all but kill me in the time that it needs to, you know, to be done. It's like, but I really want to do submersible and surround sound. Um, and I like, I was not going to do it without your blessing. Um, because well, it's, I, it's a drastic improvement. I mean, it's, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Could you tell us about the the switch to surround sound? Like, I mean, from what you like, showed me, it seems a lot more intricate. But uh, you know, to somebody who doesn't really know much about sound design, so I had to learn uh, digital sound staging, um, which was so wild to me. Um, all the the ratios and everything um, that you kind of have to learn and doing everything in such a way that I can still, you know, add those dynamics to the voices to, to make them kind of pop out over the music and not sound like, you know, someone speaking in the background. Um, it well, was much different me, than. You showed me uh, directional too, was a big part of it. Getting the. Yeah. Um, was, and I show cool. people that using um, what I call now I show people surround sound um, using the music box. And I have created this. Um, there is this really haunting melody uh, that I'll play. And I made it sound like it was coming from a music box. And I will have someone put on the headphones and then I will take that music box and move it around the digital sound stage and show them this is left, right, behind you. Like you can move it all around. Um, And I had to, in going from stereo where you can, you know, you can do left to right and everything, but not as intricately. 
as surround sound. Um, and so I had to then take all of those sound effects that I had already made work together and essentially completely strip the whole thing down and mm-hmm. learn where that was going to be. Um, and knowing like when something was going to be predominantly in your left ear or right ear. And I learned how to make someone move in front of you from yeah. right to left during it. There is a scene actually where Meyer walks in front of you. If you're yeah. listening while he's talking and his audio moves from right to left yeah. as he's doing it, that took a great deal of practice to pull off properly. And originally that wasn't even part of the, I don't want to say like script or anything, but part of the general overarching idea was not them moving around a whole bunch. But then there were certain scenes where I was like, okay, well right here, they would be like, I started thinking of it directionally once I started working in surround sound. And so I was like, okay, so Salem is off to the left. He's over by the window. They say, what are you looking at? He steps up, he's defensive. And then just based on how the script is written, they pass him. And so in them passing him, I moved Salem over to the right. And then uh, and then everyone else off to the left. So they, they kind of switched spots and everyone kind of passes each other and they're in different locations. And I just wanted to do something creative and different than what I had originally done in stereo. And I know that it's not perfect, but God, I spent so much time on it. Well, and it sounds really, really cool. I mean, it's it, it makes you feel like you're in that submersible with them. And that's hard to do. The, mm. Yeah, that itself. I've, I've talked with Bill about this, actually. So <laughs> to figure out the uh, kind of the sounds of the submersible, God, there's so many sound effects in that one sound effect that I ended up uh, using and and creating to kind of resemble a submarine. I went and I watched a bunch of movies that were set on submarines. And I the thing is, I didn't watch the full movies. I only watched the scenes that were in the submarine. Um, I would skip to it, watch that whole scene, listen to how everyone was talking, listen to the reverb coming off of the walls and and just try to kind of figure out how they did it. And then I would go on YouTube and watch people that are in submarines that have made YouTube videos in them that are like, oh, today I'm gonna be taking you around this submarine and they don't have microphones or anything. You know, it's just from the camera and you can kind of hear how that that structure around them sounds. Yeah. Um, With their voices bouncing off of it. And I kind of, met the two in the middle. I was like, this is, you know, this is what it sounds like with a microphone. This is what it sounds like with just the camera. And so I kind of got a general idea of what it would sound like when they're in these enclosed spaces. Um, And then I actually looked up just the materials that older submarines were made of. And I had to capture that kind of like pre, not really pre submarines, but like really early submarine sound. Um, there's that tinniness to it because they, yeah. they are in this confined space all together. And I had to kind of be like, okay, how big is the room? How, you know, mm-hmm. what's what's the scope of this? What's the, and, and that's where all the math came in 
was me figuring out decay rates and like, okay, how fast would this voice fade away when this person is over here in the corner? You know, wow. because there there are scenes where you have characters that are right up against a wall and or they're right up in the corner. And I actually had kind of uh, on the soundstage these geographic locations where everything was happening. And I had to balance that around, you know, the the not only the room they're in, but their location in the room and, and how that would come off the walls and and how, you know, kind of hissy that would get and then try to mediate that with the dialogue because it, it is very hard to capture that tinniness without losing audio quality um, yeah. and creating a synthetic reverb that's that heavy. Well, I'd say you pulled, I'd say you pulled it off. It sounded, I mean, like I said, it sounds like you're in there with them and for, mm-hmm. you, to pull that off, for you to pull that off is, I know that was a lot of work, but man, it worked out. It came Compared out really, to, really well. Yeah. You, you slaving over that, computer for countless hours meanwhile we uh you know you and i did some writing and then we we laughed around for four hours while recording all this Uh, man we had a lot of fun recording it that was fun that was a fun day except the one line that gave us so much trouble horse shit horse shit you remember that was the hardest line to record in the entire thing so it was really so, funny. We had I've listened to the audio back of that. It's really funny because we were laughing about something else and then yeah. I was like, "Okay, all right, let's I was like, let's get this." And uh you can hear Sean step up to the microphone and you could tell that he was just reading the line and not like acting it yet. And not just saying, right. Yeah. I don't know what it's one word. I've never had one word give me so much grief. Oh my god. You did that whole paragraph about about the submersible in one try. Yep. <laughs> and then couldn't get horseshit. <laughs> yep. I you walk so- <laughs> you walked up to the mic and you say horseshit. Horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> and we all just <laughs> lost our minds. Yeah. My favorite break, though, out of out of all of those, was when Bill was crying as <laughs> Meyer. You recorded yes. like two minutes of me crying, and you guys were just losing it. Yeah. So <laughs> me and me and Sean, Sean's like over across the room, like holding his face because it's so funny that like Bill is sitting there making these crying noises and he keeps looking at us. That's that was the hardest part is you kept looking yep. me in the eyes when I would turn to you and I was like, "No, I I can't while you're doing that while I you're can't. German crying. I, I can't do it." Um and then uh he's Bill cracks and he says, "Cut." And we all yes, explode. We all just explode. Like it, it, was, it was like you're like in those cartoons when they're holding a door and someone's beating on it and it keeps expanding. That's exactly what that felt like. Yep. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I do want to say, though, is like a lot of the people that are in the special thanks, if any one of them is listening to this and is extraordinarily confused as to why you got thanked, there was a reason. I list most of them at the end of that, but there are a lot of audio drama creators and just other young people that are just throwing themselves into this space. I guess a lot like we are right now 
that really pushed me to want to do that. There's, towards the end of the, the credits, I mentioned Pacific Obadiah, who is the first person, like the first like young person that I ever discovered um, that was a young audio drama creator. And I think that's when the reality hit me that this was possible for me is because I was like, okay, I've, I've just always been told that like, you know, oh, you're too young, you know, you, to, you know, to be able to produce something like that or to, you know, to do something on, on that big of a scale. Um, and so in hearing that, I just kind of fallen into that mentality, but seeing that there were all of these other people that were pushing and doing their own thing uh, just kind of inspired me. Good shout out. Margaret's Gardens was good. Oh, Margaret's Garden was so good. Mm. Makes Olive Garden look like a trap house. <laughs> okay, that's enough out of you. <laughs> I want to thank everyone, uh, everyone for listening to this, everyone that was a part of it, and really everyone that helped inspire us make this, because there are more coming. And I couldn't be more excited to see where the future of Auditorium goes. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you for bringing me on because this has been a very, very cool experience. And like we said earlier, it's something that I'll be able to listen to whenever I want and yeah. show people, you know, years down the road. It's like, look what I did. And then hopefully I can we can all say like, hey, look what else we did. <laughs> you know, Yeah, exactly. So yeah. thank you for having me on this, too. I had I had an outrageous amount of fun playing Meyer. Uh, I really like him. You know, he's a he's strangely lovable. Should you chap. say? Should you say liked him? Mm, I guess I should. should. Mm. You probably should. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we have we have a lot more coming and a lot more like not just horror, but we have comedy. We have we have absurdism coming as well um, in these scripts because Auditorium is a it is a multi-genre anthology in that a lot of it is interconnected in a way that you wouldn't originally think and once more episodes are out and you have more of those easter eggs you're going to be able to really start to piece those things together and figure out how everything is interconnected even going from horror to you know dread horror like submersible to like an absurdist comedy, you know, trying to tie those things together is, is crazy, but it does actually work out in a very fluid manner. And I look forward to producing those, but I want to thank everyone that is listening to this. Now, everyone that supported Auditorium, and, uh, have a nice day. There we go. Stay hydrated. <laughs>